If you've got your Bibles this morning, I want to invite you to go to uh, Leviticus 26. Leviticus is the third book in the Old Testament, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And if you've been here the last couple weeks, uh, you know that we're on this journey, this conversation, uh, talking about uh, finding rest in a restless world. And we began this conversation a couple weeks ago looking at the creation story in Genesis and looking how God built right into the fabric of all creation, this, this seven-day rhythm. And on the seventh day, God rested. And then last year, uh, last week, uh, we looked at uh, a text from a familiar text from the book of Exodus where um, uh, God has given Moses the Ten Commandments. And of course, the fourth commandment is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And today we're going to look at uh, the book of uh, Leviticus, um, uh, another great uh, teaching, another great instruction for us. And, and my hope is what you're seeing here uh, is that time and time again throughout Scripture, God continues to invite God's people into experiencing rest. This is not just a minor little theme in Scripture. This is a major part of who God is and who God wants us to be. And so that's why we're spending uh, several weeks this summer looking at uh, the, this whole idea of rest and uh, why rest is so important for us. Now, we spent the first couple of weeks talking about why rest is so important. And today we're going to shift gears just a little bit and talk about how to find rest. Because I think sometimes the devil is in the details and we struggle with, okay, yeah, I get it. I get it, right? I know I'm supposed to rest. Good idea. I got too much stuff to do. Rest is for people who've got time to rest, right? I don't have time to rest. I got stuff I need to do in my life. And so today we're going to get a little bit more practical, a little bit more into the details. And I thought it would be most appropriate today because it's Father's Day, because many of us guys, um, we would rather do stuff than talk about stuff, right? All the ladies said amen, right? We, we would just rather grunt and chop wood or grill steaks or, I don't know, go for a walk. Um, just anything but talk, right? Most of us guys, we like to do stuff. We, we like to, um, uh, we're very practical. And so my hope is that today uh, will be a message that will give you some tools, some stuff uh, for you uh, to walk away with uh, just a little bit. And on this Father's Day, as we're thinking about this idea of, of rest, especially speaking to you guys, to you men, I want to kind of drill down on this whole idea, this whole concept of work, of work. Because I think guys oftentimes get work wrong. We're so busy being busy that we lose perspective and we get out of balance as it relates to work. And oftentimes when you think about it, a big part of our identity I know this is true for men and women, but I think that guys really struggle with this, is tied to our work. Think about it. You meet someone new for the first time. What is one of the very first questions you ask them? What do you do, right? What's your job? What's your occupation? What's your vocation? It's just kind of one of the natural things that we ask someone uh, when we meet them for the very first time. And I, and I don't think this is a bad thing. I, I just think this is a normal thing because when we understand what that person does, it helps us to understand their worldview. It helps us to understand who they are, what's important to them, how they spend a lot of their time. And so we ask people very naturally, hey, what do you do? Oh, you work at uh, State Farm. 
Really? Well, what do you think about all the claims that have happened this past year because of this, that, and the other? See, it helps to bridge some connections when we understand what, what, what do you do? Oh, you work in education. Ah, classroom, and, and you can see how it's starting to make some connections there. Oh, you work in uh, agriculture. What do you think of the weather, right? And, and crop prices and, and all that's going on in the agricultural world uh, these days. And my favorite is when people ask me, what, what do I do? I'm a pastor. Hey, did you watch the Cubs game last night? <laughs> Usually... We ask people and learn about what do they do so that we can make connections. It doesn't always happen, right? I have this uh, unbelievable ability to just shut the conversation down or uh, uh, just for people to change the subject based on when they find out what do you do. But most of the time, uh, what do you do is a very common question. And I think it's a good question and it's a helpful question. But the problem is when we focus so much on what do you do, we can miss some of the bigger issues, some of the more important issues in life in terms of who we are. And we guys, I think we especially struggle with this because we so closely tie, what do you do, our work with our identity and who we are. And so today, uh, my hope is that we can look and get just a, a, a healthier understanding of this whole idea of work and rest. You know, Americans are some of the most unhealthy people as it relates to this work and rest balance. Did you know that of all the countries in the world, people who take vacation, who ranks at the very bottom of the list? Americans, yeah, we take fewer vacation days than any other people, uh, industrialized nation in the world. We are lousy at vacationing. In fact, most Americans, over half of Americans, take less than two weeks vacation. Half of Americans. I mean, you guys are just, I don't know what you're doing, filing claims all day long or, or what you're doing, but you're doing something. It's not resting. And I think uh, many of us think if we're not working, we're not being productive, that we're being lazy, that we're not earning our lot in life. And, and so we got to just keep going and keep doing. And, and of course, vacation you know, just going on vacation, even if you take a two-week vacation uh, sometime throughout uh, this next year, it's still not a good supplement. It's, it's not a good uh, way for you to truly rest. Because even when you're on vacation, you still bring your technology with you, right? You're still connected. You're still uh, doing all the things that you uh, would normally do when you're working. And so uh, even when we're vacationing in a way, we're still plugged in. But the kind of uh, rest I'm talking about is not just vacation, but it's that weekly rhythm of rest in our lives. Sabbath rest. And so this morning, I want us to think a little bit about what it means to be people who practice this Sabbath rest. And I will admit, practicing Sabbath rest today is a very difficult thing. It's a very difficult thing. I mean, for most of human history, the rhythm of the world was based around agriculture, hunting, gathering, farming, right? 
And even 250 years ago, 95% of Americans were farmers. That's just what they did, is day in and day out, they were out in the fields taking care of crops and animals, and they just practiced this rhythm that was going uh, with, with the weather, with the climate and all that was going on uh, in their lives. Even with, when the Industrial Revolution came about 250 years ago, people moved to the cities, started jumping into the factories. Even then, people continued to uh, honor and respect that ancient Judeo-Christian rhythm of work, 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 rest. Right? Even during the Industrial Revolution. But here we are. In 2019, and it's more difficult than ever. In fact, the culture in which we live today, it's a 24-7 culture, right? We know that. I think it's so interesting that our culture is so much closer tied today in 2019 than to slavery, right? Because in slavery, there's no such thing as rest. It's just work, 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 work. And that's the culture and society in which we live. And so today I want to invite us to move beyond slavery, to where God has invited us to something new. And, and God's people knew a lot about slavery. They were enslaved several times throughout history. In one particular time, they were enslaved for 400 years, and they were miserable. And so God sent Moses to come in and, and, and help to rescue them out of Egypt. And God brought them out into the wilderness. And as they marched toward the promised land, God gave them God's law and said, this is how I want you to live. And part of your rhythm, work, 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 rest. This is how I created the world. And, and God invited God's people to experience this margin in their life. So it wasn't so full and just always go, go, go 24-7. And so today as we get to Leviticus, the entire book of Leviticus is about God's instructions for how people ought to live. And God gave us these instructions, his people, so that they could experience life and rest and margin, so that they weren't enslaved. This, the whole book of Leviticus, if you've ever read it, it's about a lot of rules, a lot of instructions, and how the people received the book of Leviticus was absolutely a gift from God because God loved the Israelites so much, he gave them rules and guidelines, parameters around their lives so that they could experience rest, so they could experience margin and, and just breathe in their daily lives. And so today, if you've got um, your Bibles, I want, we're going to look at Leviticus 26. Do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourselves. Do not place a carved stone in your land to bow down before it. I am the Lord your God. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees their fruit. Your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting, and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land. I will grant you peace in the land, and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid." 
I will remove wild beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. I will look on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out of, to make room for the new. I will put my dwelling place among you. And I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God. And you will be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk uh, with heads held high. When you hear in this, in this text what's going on, God says, I love you so much. I'm going to give you some guidelines, some boundaries, some parameters, some margin in your life. And if you live into the guidelines and the instructions that I've given to you, good things are going to happen. You're going to experience life and goodness and abundance and health and peace in the land. God says it's going to be really good. But in order for you to experience these things, you need to practice Sabbath rest. And I think it's so hard for so many of us, because so many people today are workaholics. It's go, 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 and we don't hardly know what to do when it's quiet and to sit still. Do not make idols or set up an image or a sacred stone for yourselves, and do not place a carved stone in the land to bow before it. I am the Lord your God. Observe my Sabbaths and have reverence for my sanctuary. And so this text begins with don't focus on all the things that you're creating with your hands, like carved idols and images out of stone or wood. Don't focus on the things that you are creating, but focus on your relationship with God, how God has created you. And those are two very different things, aren't they? Because most of the time we are so focused on the things that we do, the things that we make, the things that we are creating in this world. And God says, that's good, that's wonderful, but one day, one-seventh of your week, I want you to just focus on how God has made each one of you and I understand that's hard, but that's the invitation. And God says, when you do that, you will be renewed and you'll be refreshed. Several years ago, um, I invited myself over to a, a couple's house. And um, he didn't oftentimes come to church because he was busy working. He was an architect. He was a really good architect. And so he was on the road a lot. And when I got over there, uh, he wasn't there. He was out of town on that day. And, and his wife um, welcomed me into their home. And uh, we sat down and had some great conversation. And we talked about all that was going on at church. And then she went uh, to share with me about um, her husband and uh, his life as an architect. And she was listing with me accomplishment after accomplishment after accomplishment after accomplishment. And I mean, he really had quite a resume. And then she looked at me after she had kind of uh, listed all the things that he had accomplished and said, you know, he has really made a name for himself. 
<clears throat> I thought, yep, he has. That's what most of us do, right? Because we're so busy making a name for ourselves. And we're so busy making a name for ourselves that we get weary and worn out, exhausted. And at the end of the day, God says, that's all good to work. But I have something more important for you. It's a relationship with me. And that's what Leviticus is all about, our relationship with God. And how we struggle with being busy and doing stuff as we go through life. And God says, I want you to have a relationship with me. God says, on one day of the week, I want you to just stop focusing on all your stuff and focus on me and me alone. Let's develop a deeper relationship. God says, that's what's really important. And so this morning, I want, especially guys, I want you to hear, that's what's truly important in your life. It's that relationship with God and how you're connecting. You know, I've, I've, I've been to a lot of funerals. I've officiated, conducted lots of funerals. And every funeral I've been at, people don't list all everything on their resume. They're talking about their relationship with their, their loved ones, their friends, their relationship with God. And someday, each one of us, our loved ones are going to gather around. They're going to talk about us. And they might even make some stuff up about us. They'll probably say nicer things about us than what's actually true. <clears throat> but I guarantee you, they will not come to your funeral and talk about all your accomplishments and all the things that are on your resume. It just does not matter. It won't matter, folks. But what it will truly matter at your funeral is your relationship with God and your relationship with others around you. So this morning, I want to give you just um, close with uh, three, my hope is, practical ways for how you can practice Sabbath rest. Three ways for practicing Sabbath rest. Number one, make it a priority. Make it a priority. When God created the world, seven days of time, one day was dedicated to rest, and that became the rhythm in the creation of the world. Many years later, when God was giving uh, Moses the rules, the instructions, the law, Sabbath rest was one of the top ten. Throughout Scripture, 174 times we read this word, Sabbath rest. This is not a minor little part of Scripture. This is a major theme over and over and over throughout Scripture. As we've talked about the last couple weeks, too often we treat Sabbath rest as something optional, something that we just don't need to practice, maybe even something outdated. But throughout Scripture, from beginning to end, Sabbath rest is vitally important. It's a very important theme. And guess what? Jesus never once refuted it. Jesus never said, oh, you don't need to practice Sabbath rest. In fact, over and over, what Jesus did is he made it a priority. Jesus went fishing with his friends. He would go off to the mountains and pray to God. Jesus was a carpenter, right? 
I mean, have you ever read in Scripture where Jesus said, I can't hang out with my disciples today. I've got to make a chair. I don't have time for God today. I'm working on a table, right? That just does not happen. Jesus had so much time for rest. He was all about people. In fact, remember that day that he and his friends were out in a boat? And he was sleeping. I mean, Jesus was chill. He was just never in a hurry to go anywhere. He was just always so relaxed. And the storm clouds came up. They're like, Jesus, wake up. There's a storm going on. He's like, what's going on? Right? I mean, this is who Jesus was. Jesus practiced Sabbath rest. He regularly took rhythms in his life. This is not just an Old Testament concept or idea. This is throughout Scripture. Jesus made rest a priority. And so I think if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Amen. Yeah, to, to really make that priority in our lives. And you might be thinking to yourself this morning, I don't know. I've got a to-do list, right? Anybody have a to-do list or just me? Yeah, every single week when I make my to-do list, I think I'm going to get my to-do list done. And every single week, by the end of the week, coming into the weekend, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, it's not done. Is it, is it just me? I mean, do you guys ever finish your to-do list? Never. Can we just acknowledge that the to-do to -do list will always be there. It'll never be finished. And so we don't practice Sabbath rest because we're done with everything. We practice Sabbath rest because we say, the list is still there, but I'm just going to walk away from the list. You ever come back to your list and say, you know what, that wasn't really that important anyways. Right? I mean, that's the beautiful thing is you get stuff done and you weren't even there paying attention to it. Her stuff just gets done. I think it's one of the beautiful things about practicing Sabbath rest and when we make it a priority. It's declaring that my list, my job, my work, my whatever it is, is not the most important thing in my life. The most important thing in my life is my relationship with my Heavenly Father and those who are around me. But we got to make it a priority. Uh, number two, how to practice Sabbath rest. Make it intentional. Not just make it a priority, but make it intentional and really chew on. You're going to have to ask yourself some hard questions. And one of the questions is, what does Sabbath rest look like for me? As we look through Scripture over and over, um, the, whenever people came to Jesus and they were criticizing Him for practicing Sabbath, right? I mean, you guys know this. Jesus was criticized for practicing Sabbath, right? Whenever they were criticizing Him, they were so focused on tasks, not on people. And Jesus had a very clear understanding of what Sabbath rest was. And in ancient times, people lived very similar lives. We all live different lives, right? We live in a 24-7 culture. Some of you work nights. I know some of you work nights. Some of you work weekends. I know some of you work weekends. And so what Sabbath rest is going to look like, is for, for each one of us, it's going to be a little bit different. If you came to church today thinking that I was going to give, give you some kind of prescription for Sabbath rest, you are going to be disappointed. Because that's what the Pharisees did, is they had a list, a task list, a whole bunch of rules. Hey, Jesus, these are the things you're supposed to do and the things you're not supposed to do on Sabbath rest. 
And so there's no prescription today. And so you need to ask these questions because every one of our Sabbath rests is going to look different. So what does work for you? Some of you, what you do for work looks pretty fun to me. It looks like rest. And some of you, you look at my life and you're like, boy, that sounds like work, right? Or you think, man, that must be great. My kids, for years, as they were growing up, like, Dad, all you do is go drink coffee with people. <laughs> right? Why'd you need to go to college and seminary for that, Dad? You've got the easiest job around town. You know, they, they think I just hang out. <laughs> I do, right? Okay, I, I do have a great job, for sure. But some of you guys are work. <laughs> the point is very simple. What's work for you? And as you're thinking about what is work for you, you also need to ask yourself, what is rest? What is rest for you? I like to mow the grass. Anybody else like to mow the grass or just me? Yeah. That's relaxing for me. I like to paint. Anybody else like to paint? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Painting is awesome, right? I like to clean up, put tools away. I don't know. Anybody else cleaning? Is that, is that relaxing for you? Yeah. So we have to ask ourselves these questions. Is, is what is work? And then what is rest? Because it's going to be different for every one of us, right? Some of you, when I asked painting or cleaning or mowing the lawn, that's work for you, right? So you got to ask yourself, what is work? What is rest? But then the third question you got to ask yourself is, is it productive? Is it productive? Because I like to mow, I like to paint, I like to clean. Those are relaxing for me. But guess what? They're all productive. Those are all things that need to be done, right? So when I do those things, while I enjoy them, I do not consider them part of my Sabbath rest. Because those are things I have to do. Those are things you have to do. And so you have to, so the, one of the major ideas behind Sabbath rest is are you producing something? Remember, don't build stuff uh, like idols and all that. Just be in, in the presence of God. So is it productive? And if it's productive, you want to have flashing lights going off, going, warning, warning. If you're being productive, you're not really practicing Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest, as Kristen said last weekend or the week before, is the... <sighs> Remember that? She's taking a deep breath and being in relationship with God. And you are doing nothing. See, for me, Sabbath rest, so I've got a hammock, and I go to uh, different parks around town, and I set up my hammock on a Sunday afternoon, and I listen to a ball game on the radio. I don't do anything. I just sit and listen. Now, I know if you're a Cardinals fan, that's a little bit of work these days, right? <laughs> just saying. It's been a little rough for the card fans this year. 
But truly, even when I'm listening to a ball game, if I find myself getting anxious or irritated or uptight, I, I just shut it off because I'm like, this, this becomes work, right? This is not what hanging out at a park in a hammock is supposed to be about. I'm supposed to just be here resting and breathing in relationship with God. Just talking. So you've got to ask those questions and make it intentional. And the third one is make it relational. Sabbath rest should always be relational. It's not about what we do. It's who we're doing it with. See, Sabbath is not just a day off. That's just, that's about tasks, right? I'm just not doing the task. And that's part of the equation. But it's truly about what are we doing in that time? And how is it relational? And there's really only kind of two relationships that, that are a part of this. Our relationship with God. Are we, are we out doing something uh, uh, in, in the community or at home or wherever we're at? And are we in fellowship and communion with God? So as you're doing something and practicing Sabbath, are you having a conversation with God? And then the second question, of course, is, is are you doing it with other people? Right? This is why we gather together on Sunday morning, is to be in relationship with one another. This is why we practice Sabbath. It's, it's to get together with, with people that we don't even know, but it's to be in community and fellowship with one another. Uh, some of you, um, when I see you on Sunday morning, you say, hey, where's my hug? Right? That's what we do is we just we hug one another. We shake each other's hands. We're in relationship and we're in community and connection. And that's what Sabbath is about. It's about relationship. It's not about what we're doing or what we're not doing. I mean, honestly, I love what Jeff does here for worship on Sunday morning. But it is truly not about what we do. It's about who we are as people gathered together. It's about the connection and the relationship. So if the sermon is bad, if the music is bad, if the communion is bad, right? I mean, if it's all bad, we're still together, right? And the Holy Spirit is in our midst. And that's really what matters on Sunday morning. Is that we are in relationship with one another. <clears throat> So as you're thinking about practicing Sabbath rest, I want to invite you to make it a priority, make it intentional, and make it relational. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that throughout Scripture, throughout your Word, throughout time, God, you have invited us to step back and rest. And God, we live in a very different time when the Bible was written. God, it is so difficult for us. And God, oftentimes we, especially we guys, we have so much of our identity wrapped up in what we do. But God, you invite us to a better way. You invite us into a relationship with you and with one another. And so help us, Lord, to practice Sabbath rest in very real and tangible ways. Because, God, you've offered us life and abundance and hope and peace when we do these things. And so speak to each one of us, Lord, as we each need to be spoken to. God, help us to work hard. 
But then help us also, Lord, to rest in you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer.